You can only sink a ship once, so if your boat is already at the bottom of the ocean, it is technically unsinkable. This is 20 Questions Tuesday, the podcast where one guy asks another guy 20 20 questions. questions. I'm David Brunel Brutman. And I'm David Reinstrom. David! Yes, my brother. What up, what up? Uh, All sorts of stuff. So a couple weekends ago... Jillian and I went with our friends Michael and Megan and our new friends Jessica and Toby, and we went to Berkeley, and we had a Berkeley adventure. Um, a Burke venture? A Burke venture. Yes. And what that entailed was we went to the Berkeley BART station, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, the subway. And um, then you burked all over the place. We burk, did, burk, burk, though, burk, burk. We went on this, on this guided tour that was enabled by text message. Okay. We got off at the subway, and then we sent the word start to this phone number uh, and then it sent us on this kind of weird hiking tour it took about two and a half hours hmm. and we went through campus and it was kind of like a scavenger hunt so it'd be like there is a there is one remaining phone booth over here by universe by uh by the fraternity houses and underneath it is full of pee <laughs> underneath this uh this phone booth there is an old plastic clasp that used to hold a phone book what is the last line of the poem written in, you know, white paint on the inside of the... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was, what is the name of the person responsible for the quote? And it was an Ursula K. Le Guin quote. So you type, you sent the word, the name Ursula K. Le Guin to the, you know, the, to the number, and then it returned um, the, next, uh, the next clue. It's sort gotcha. of like... What I used to do for you and Aaron Kaplan when you visited me in Chicago and what the two of you did for me when I visited you in New York. Yeah, you composed, uh, I I once visited you in Chicago and you composed an absolutely delightful scavenger hunt. Why, it, thank you. It All the clues were poems, like fully in meter rhyming, rhyming couplets. Uh, it was amazing. Thank you. And the, the answer, you filled in the blank with the rhyming answer, uh, which was the name of the place. And so yes. how it would work is I worked from home for five years. And so I couldn't entertain Dave uh, when he was visiting during the week because I had to work. Uh, right. So I would send him on these scav hunts. And how it works is you, you fill out, you go through the clues. And then in order to prove that you've gotten the answer correctly, you take a picture of yourself in front of whatever landmark it is, whatever building or business or whatever. And send it to my, to my phone, and I say, yes, correct, here's the next one. Yeah, and I learned all about uh, the all the neighborhoods in the kind of far north of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun time. I feel like I have a decent understanding of the immediate area around um, Berkeley and the Berkeley Hills. But Just based on this scavenger quest? Mm-hmm, because we went, we went all over like a very particular region of the Berkeley campus. I wouldn't say I could navigate the Berkeley campus, but I know where some of the major buildings are now. You can't navigate it, but you do know all of its secrets. I do. It's sort of like if you were playing a game and you didn't know how to play the game, but you knew where all the Easter eggs were. (laughs) A little bit. It's kind of like that. It's a little bit like that. Uh, and other than that, Jillian and I have been having a bunch of adventures in the South Bay area. So Berkeley and Oakland are in the East Bay. That's super mm-hmm. great. We've been venturing up there, but also we're going to the South Bay. Uh, we went to Watsonville, where most of the country's strawberries are grown. Huh. Um, yeah, I that's like where Driscoll's that. has like a major operation. We spent about half an hour talking with a farmer about the history of the Pajaro Valley. Um, 
and she said in the 40s are strawberries uh, native there uh they are they are not brought in they were brought in it used to be all apple farms all apple orchards she said 10,000 uh was like 10,000 acres of apple orchards in the Pajaro Valley in the 40s and then by the 60s it was maybe 4,000 acres of, of apple orchard interesting all replaced with strawberries hmm so why were strawberries more profitable um, I'm not sure if strawberries were necessarily more profitable, but what happened was um, after, you know, these were these were multi-generation family farms. And by the time you got to the third or fourth generation, that's when Driscoll's moved in and said, hey, if you lease your land to us, we will pay you some money and you don't even have to operate the farm anymore. Oh, so basically what it was, was a bunch of lazy kids were like, well, I got mom and dad's farm. Strawberries, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. That's the sound of somebody, like, flopping onto a lounge chair lazily on their front porch, surveying the strawberry fields that they uh, kind of own. Well, we went down there not knowing any of this and being like, I wonder if strawberry season is still happening in California, which it wasn't, but apple season is, so we got a bunch of apples. Does Uh, California even have seasons? It does. I mean, I was surprised. I am surprised to tell you that there are deciduous trees here that are turning golden and losing their leaves. I am also surprised by that. I found frost on the uh, the windows of my car a couple days ago. Oh, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. People, you're you're gonna be out. You're gonna be iced under when it when it rains. They just freak out. They do not know what to do in the slightest. (laughs) When it rains. When it rains. I mean, all right, I can, I can understand, though I do find it hilarious, like, when people in the South have to deal with snow. Like, uh, I think this, this past winter, like, it snowed in Atlanta, mm-hmm. there was, like, an inch of snow, and nobody could get anywhere on the highways, and, like, the whole broader metro area shut down, and you saw these, what were, for a Northeasterner, hilarious pictures of, like... People abandoning their cars on the highway in an inch of snow. Mm-hmm. So I could, I could kind of understand that. Sure, because the, the, the cities rain. don't have don't have a fleet of snowplows. Right, the there's, New not, York or there's Chicago not the does. infrastructure. Right, but people freaking out about rain though. They said one of my coworkers said, an older gentleman said, uh, that when it doesn't rain for months and months and months, all of the like the grease from engines and like road oil and stuff builds up into like a slick patina on the surface. And when it rains, it all just bubbles up from the pavement and creates an even slicker. It's like you're driving on mayonnaise. That's uh, that's the name of my next comedy album. Driving, driving on, mayonnaise. on mayonnaise. I love it. It's coming out on Rhino. Do they I put out didn't... comedy albums? Uh, I think so. I didn't believe, I don't believe him, but it's I do it's believe- It's available for digital download. I do believe that Californians are terrified of rain. They both want it because it's we're in a drought, but they they fear it. That's hilarious. That's my thoughts. Those are my rain thoughts. Well, especially because like, you know, a couple of hundred miles north, you've got like Seattle and Portland where it rains so frequently that I am told uh, people don't even own umbrellas. Like you just have a, a waterproof hooded jacket that you wear constantly. And if you put up an umbrella, it's a sign that you're like some kind of idiot tourist because <laughs> all the people who live there know there's not even any point. 
you just like the the air is just water now. Sure. And that's how you live your life. So it's amusing to me that that is occurring. Like not so far away. Yeah, just a little bit north. What have you been up to? Um, do you know what Mumblety Peg is? Yes, actually. I didn't know what Mumblety Peg was. I was under the impression it was something like cribbage, Mm-mm. like a like a board game of some sort, or maybe like jacks. Like there were pegs and slots and uh, and points. Nah, dude, Mumblety Peg is knife throwing. <laughs> Isn't it where, okay, aren't you supposed to throw knives at each other's feet? It's like you play outside and you throw it. Whoever can get closest to the other person's foot wins. A- apparently, there's, there's a bunch of different variations. Like this is you like some throw- English school kids game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a game that children play with pocket knives, or they did before. I don't know. Do, do kids even get pocket knives anymore? I don't, I don't think so, David. I mean, I have a pocket knife. I certainly don't walk around with it because everyone is terrified of knives. I I have a utility knife at home, basically. Yeah, which is a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Looking at it right now. Oh, jeez. Are you? These are, are you my friend? Are you staring lovingly at your knife? See how they glisten. So. Did you hear that? I I did. It sounded. What, was that going in or out? Closing it up. Okay. Good. Just just put the knife away. Just, I know. I just know you slowly been just up inside. Slowly put the knife down like and me, walk away. Friend. Yeah, okay. When I was a kid, yeah. uh, my friend Hal and I, we went to uh we weren't actually at it was at a Boy Scout camp, but we weren't at we were camping there but we weren't at Boy Scout camp. This this is irrelevant. We went camping, Mm -hmm. and there was a little general store, and we must have been... eh, Between 8 and 9. We were definitely not older than 10. Uh, So probably around 8. And we were like, man, you know what we want? Pocket knives. (laughs) This is like the coolest thing you could possibly own. Sure, true. And... We somehow convinced our mothers to buy us pocket knives from the general store. Very nice. And then we formed the Pocket Knife Club. And here's what you did as a member of the Pocket Knife Club. This is the cutest thing I've ever heard you say, yes. You took out your pocket knife and you jumped off the picnic table. I'm sorry? Like with your (laughs) knife out. Yeah, that's basically all it consisted of. You jumped with an open blade... Off a table? After our, our brothers specifically told us not to run or jump or do anything with the knives except knife stuff. We're like, you know what would be really cool? <laughs> if we got up on this table and we took out our knives and then we jumped off of it. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, they, uh, <clears throat> they, they were not aware of this as far <laughs> as we knew. Wait, so, so if your mother was listening, she's finding out about this for the first time now? Oh, yeah, probably. Hi, Mom. Hi, Marilee. Uh, she's not listening. Oh, okay. She doesn't know my knife secrets. <laughs> she might, because knife secrets may or may not be the title of this episode. Okay, I'm cool with that. Cool. Episode 49, Knife, knife secrets. secrets. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, like, I, I feel like you wouldn't be allowed to be unsupervised enough to even... And it's not like we had a particularly crazy childhood, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, we're not talking about... 
the the fucking 50s here where your parents are like, yeah, go play outside in the street, do whatever. Or like, all right, here's here's what my grandfather's childhood was like growing up. Mm. So my grandfather grew up in Germany in the 20s and 30s and some some stuff happened but it's we don't you gotta you gotta tell a grandpa carl story sometime on the podcast have i never told any no you've never told you haven't told tank story you haven't told um the uh the jeep story ah there's so so many there's so many good ones yeah this isn't even a story though this is just sort of general information yeah so when he was like uh like an eight-year-old kid in the 30s um, his parents were basically just like, yeah, uh, you have to go to school, you have to come home for dinner, you have to do your homework, and then anything else you want to do is completely okay. Like, he could be anywhere in the city, he would just like, he would sometimes, as a little kid, he would just get on his bike and he would, uh, after school, bike over, like, several towns over okay. by himself to visit, uh, I think his aunt lived several towns over. And he would just do that by himself. And his parents were just like, yeah, you know, as long as you, as long as you show up for dinner, we're like, you're not dead, it's fine. <laughs> so, you know. You and I obviously did not have a childhood with that degree of. I mean, you want to talk about like free range childhood. Your grandfather was like a wild turkey of a kid. Basically, yeah. He would he would just like go around climbing on rooftops. I'm not even making this up. That's why you were such a good cat burglar in college. Oh shit! I've given away more knife secrets. Damn it, David! I'm sorry. Stop telling my knife secrets. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, but, but you take a mumblety peg is you take pocket knives and you uh-huh. throw them. No. And that's what that's what babies did back in the day. In the times when they were running around on rooftops, and their parents were like, do whatever. We don't give a shit. That's amazing. If you lose a game of mumblety peg, you have to remove everybody's knives from the ground with your teeth. Oh, no. I hate that. I hate that so much. Yep. How do you lose? Like, does someone throw a knife at you? Or oh, if you're the farthest away from the target, you lose. Yeah, I think okay. who, whoever's closest to the target wins. Whoever's farthest loses. God, children play the dumbest games. Is that like kids say the darndest things? No, that was my transition for you to say, hey, do you want to play a really dumb game? Oh, okay. We can play a dumb game. You want to play a dumb game? Let's play a dumb game. Let's play the dumbest game of all, 20 Questions Tuesday. All right. Are you mentally and emotionally prepared? Yes, I have put my knife away. Why don't we go over the rules? Rule number one. I will think of a thing. Rule number two. David will ask only yes or no questions to narrow down the nature of the thing. Woo, rule number three. If David exceeds 20 questions, the game and reality as we know it is over. No more than 20 questions are permitted. Rule number four. If David correctly guesses the thing in fewer than 20 questions, he wins the game. Yeah. And we all get to live for another week. Rule number five. If you are knocked unconscious during the course of the game, your body may be used as a flotation device. I hate that. 
Are you ready? Yes. You may ask your first question. All right, Dave. Uh, so it's December 1st. It is December 1st. We have officially entered uh, December Ween times. Is the thing you are thinking of related to our last major holiday, Thanksgiving? In no way, shape, or form. Is it a person? Arguably. The scenario involves a living being? Arguably, no. A fictional being? Yes. Okay. Who would be alive if he or she or it or they were real? Mm, Arguably, no. No. So this is about a dead fictional person. Arguably, yes. Is person pushing it? Uh, no, it's not pushing it. It's it's reasonable enough. A human being? No, not in the strictest sense. Some intelligence. Some terrible intelligence. Terrible intelligence. Is it Cthulhu? No, it's not that he's, terrible. Because he's both dead and a being and a terrible intelligence. Is Cthulhu dead? Uh, that's what the poem says, right? In Relay. Is Cthulhu dead, dead and he Cthulhu. gets resurrected? Or is he... Uh, he's in some god slumber, I think. Yeah, I thought Cthulhu was more hibernating in an alternate dimension of madness. Oh, that that could be too. I haven't talked to him in a while. I don't know how he's doing. We talk about Cthulhu a lot on this show. We do, though, don't we? For two people that really don't like H.P. Lovecraft especially, we talk a lot about Cthulhu. Yeah, like, I've barely read any H.P. Lovecraft. Barely. So it's not it's not Cthulhu. It's not Cthulhu even a is person not involved. in the traditional sense. Um, and it's not a, it's not a human being. Not in the traditional sense. Not a human being in the traditional sense. Is it a monster of some kind? Yes, I think you would call this a monster. Like a classic horror movie monster? Certainly. Uh, is it a mummy? No. A wolfman? Uh, I'm going to give it to you, yes. It's some kind of lycanthrope. Well, uh, it's, it's the wolfman. It's the wolfman. Partially. Is it a specific wolfman? Yes, the Wolfman. Oh, okay, but it's not its not the character that you and I invented in college, Howard Wolfman DDS Esquire. <laughs> no, it is not Howard Wolfman DDS uh, Lycanthrope Dentist. Uh, do you do you remember he came into the he came into the recording studio to tell us about the American Werewolves Union, Awu? Of course. And it, and and he talked about how it was Awareness Week. Yes. Yeah. And and we all learned a thing or two about werewolves that day. We did. We learned a lot from Howard. We all learned a thing or two about tolerance that day. So, okay, so it's the Wolfman. Yes. But there's something weird about the Wolfman beyond him just being a Wolfman. Uh, there is something... There is something different about him. Yes. Okay. Is he alive? I mean, all right, here's the thing. You got the wolfman. Okay. But the the person who you were asking about earlier, I was answering questions about a different person. Okay. So, so a wolfman is involved. The wolfman is here. But it's not about the wolfman. It is. It's not only about the wolfman. So the wolfman is meeting up with another classic monster? Yes. Okay. Um, is it a monster that has appeared in an Abbott and Costello movie? I think so. Is it Frankenstein's monster? No. 
Is it a mummy? No. Did I say that already? Is it a vampire? Yes. Okay. Are those the only two participants in this scenario? Um, they're the only two named participants, yes. They're the okay, important so it's, ones. So it's Dracula and the Wolfman. Correct. Okay. Did Abbott and Costello meet Dracula? I, I don't know. I am almost entirely certain they did. They must have, right? Yeah. They met Frankenstein. They met the mummy. They met the Wolfman. Did they meet the Wolfman? I don't know. Maybe they met the Wolfman. So they probably met Dracula. Okay. What if there was a series of Abbott and Costello movies where they met um, historical monsters? <laughs> like what, just like... awful people. Like Abbott and Costello meet Hitler. Oh. oh. Like Genghis Khan? Like... Yeah, Abbott and Costello meet Genghis Khan. I would watch those movies. I would watch Abbott and Costello meet Genghis Khan. I might rather see the Marx Brothers meet historical monsters. Mm. Like, going around, tugging on his mustaches. Yeah, I, I'm Being definitely... like, hey, that's a pretty fine uh, rug you got there. How much? You know, and then, like, Chico is trying to, like, is trying to barter for it. And Groucho is going around romancing everybody in the harem and, like, making eyebrows at people. Well, you know what that would be, right? We've done this. Our culture has already produced this, basically. And it's any of the Animaniacs bits yeah, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. meet a historical figure. That There you go. You're right. Because uh, the Animaniacs are basically the Marx Brothers. That's true, minus Harpo. I mean, uh, uh, Yakko is pretty directly Groucho. Mm-hmm. In, in the same way that Bugs Bunny is pretty directly Groucho. Oh, he is, isn't he? Bugs Bunny is very much Groucho Marx. Man. So, the Wolfman. The Wolfman. And... The Dracula. The Dracula. Are hanging out in a specific location? Mm, I wouldn't describe it as hanging out, and I wouldn't say they're in a specific location. They are performing some kind of activity together. They're performing some kind of activity together. Is it a recreational activity? Definitely not. Are they involved in a conflict with one another? Uh, yeah. Is it like but a... not exclusively. Like, an, like a violent conflict? A violent conflict? No, not between each other. Okay. But they are in conflict. They're in conflict, initially. Is it, is it friendly conflict? Not really. Is anyone's life or unlife at stake? Probably, but it's not either of theirs. Okay. I mean, eh, it could be. Are they hunting for food? No. Are they stalking the streets of London looking for people to either, like, drink up or chomp on? Uh, no. Okay. They're not in a particular place. They're not in a particular place, no. Are they in a particular type of place? Like in a particular type like of a, place. Like this a swimming pool or a tennis court, but it doesn't matter where in the world it is. This scenario has to start in a particular kind of place. A particular kind of place, but it doesn't... Does it matter what time it is? Like what, what year it is? Uh, it probably has to be after a certain year. Okay. Yeah. Does it have to take place after 1950, say? Yeah, yeah, it okay. probably has to take place after 1950. Does this scenario involve automobiles or computers or telephones? Oh, God, I hope it involves all of the above. Okay. Uh, and it has to take but place at night. specifically. It has to take place at night because of Dracula. Sure. Okay. Um, but is the fact the thing, that it takes place at night is irrelevant. Is the thing that they are doing a criminal enterprise? Uh, very much the reverse. They are being heroic. Arguably. 
they're fighting crime. They are fighting crime. But they're not fighting crime together initially. Not initially. Okay, are they trying to foil some kind of crime already in progress? Uh, yes. That's it a, a reasonable description of what's going on. Is it a on. bank robbery? No, bigger. Is it a financial crime? Um, not really, no. Is it monstrously evil? Is it monstrously evil? Nah, just regular. No, just regular. Yeah. So they're not trying to stop terrorists. Nah. Kind of crime that's just regular evil that doesn't involve theft? Uh, it could certainly involve theft. Is it a heist? Are they trying to stop a heist? No. Uh, is it... No, theft would be tangential to the actual crime. Is it violent crime? It could get violent, but again, the violence would be tangential to the core crime. Is it a real crime? It's certainly a real crime. But it's not its not the taking of any goods. Uh, goods may get taken. It's just that that's not really what the crime itself is. That is, it, is it injurious to, to a specific person? Mm, no, not a specific person. It's injurious to a, a variety of different people for a variety of different reasons. Does it hurt? And it is also injurious okay. to entities that are not people. Uh, Fuck you, Citizens United. That okay. was a clue. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, is it? Is it? Is this crime perpetrated in print? No. Is this crime perpetrated through mass publication media? Definitely not. Okay. So it's not libel. Nah. Or slander. No. <laughs> but you can do it to both a person or a group of people or a corporation or an entity. You can't really do it to any of them. It's just that those are the parties that might be injured in the crime. Is it a type of fraud? <sighs> Not really. Some fraud may be involved. So it's something that could involve theft, could involve fraud, could involve personal violence, but is not itself any of those things specifically. Yes, like you could commit this crime without doing any of those other crimes. Racketeering. Nope. Credit default swaps. I I think that might be legal. Oh. Yeah, you're right, it is. I, I think that only should be a crime. Okay. Um, hey, listen, just because something took down the entire world economy and <laughs> doesn't mean fucked over millions and possibly billions of people, that doesn't automatically make it a crime. It's a cool crime. It depends on who you are, but it might be a cool crime. Does it involve a physical object of any kind? Certainly, yes. In fact, it involves two very specific kinds of physical objects. All right. Are these physical objects both man-made? Uh, one of them is... One of them is not. Well, <laughs> I mean, if I were going to get stupid about it, both of them are man-made. But no, one of them is not man-made. It's a cool crime. I mean, the broader category of crime of what this crime is has been romanticized in in media and literature. And it's not it's not jewel thievery. It's not cat burglary. Nope, it's not cat burglary. Is it being a spy? Uh, no. It's not like the theft of information or the. Uh, there's no theft. There's no theft. Um. Oh, this is so hard for me. It's really easy. That's why it's so hard. Because it's like something basic that I'm not seeing. Yes. So it's the, oh, is it the sale of something illegal? 
No. Is no, it the, the production the sale of something? part. No. Okay. In between uh, those two. Okay, is it in between the sale and the production? Yes. The illegal thing that happens in between the production and the sale. Distribution? Uh, uh earlier than distribution. I mean, I guess it's arguably part of distribution. I don't But that's okay. semantics. Smuggling. Smuggling. The crime is smuggling. Is the crime specifically of a particular substance? Is it a smuggling of a particular substance? It is a smuggling of two particular, uh, we can call them substances. One you could definitely call a substance. One would be more of a commodity. Okay, so one is an illegal drug of some kind. It's a no. schedule one narcotic. No? Nope. Uh, does this take place in a particular time period? Are they smuggling, is it bootleg liquor? So it has to take place sometime after the First World War. So that means it's after a certain substance was deemed illegal in the United States. Incorrect. Mm. It doesn't take place think in the United it, States? Think of it okay. just, yeah, it, uh, no, it doesn't take place exclusively in the United States. It's a smuggling ring all around the world. Yes, it is an international smuggling ring. Okay. Uh, what are they smuggling? I'm going to say uh, heroin, probably. Nope. Uh, some kind of opiate. Nope. Some kind of drug, though. Heck nope. Heck nope. Um, something that is illegal to transport across nations or state lines. It's as a controlled substance. The point is that they're that they're transporting it without uh, going through customs. So it's it's illegal because they're doing it all. The the smuggling ring is doing this all under the table, and their methods are sketchy. Is it a food item? Nope. Well, mm, it there there's there's a way in which you could construct it to be a food item. Construct it to be a food item. But don't think about that. Fine. Um. So there's a smuggling ring. There's a smuggling ring. A ring of smugglers, and they are... And can and just, just assume this takes place in the present day. Okay, assume this takes place everything. in the present day. Uh, and they are smuggling two things that the Wolfman and Dracula would want to stop. Yes. Or... From entering the country, or from circulating not, around. Not necessarily, not necessarily that they would want to stop, but maybe that they have the special skills to stop. Okay, uh, but it's not something that they, is it some, are these illegal goods something that they, are these smuggled goods something that they have a personal stake in preventing the spread of? For example, is it a shipment a of silver bullets? A personal stake, David. Yeah, yeah, a personal stake. Is it silver bullets and stakes? Are they trying to prevent silver bullets and stakes from, uh, from entering the country? You said, you said that, that the one of them could be used in a food preparation I am hoping that means silver flake on very fancy Indian sweets. I'm going to give it to you. One yes! of the two items that is being smuggled is silver. Okay. So let's just say uh, I was, I was imagining just silver bullion. Okay. Just, just things of silver. Okay. Silver and garlic. Nope. Silver and crucifixes. Nope. Silver and something else injurious to vampires. Uh, arguably, uh, the direct opposite of injurious. Uh, oh, silver and blood. Silver and blood. So, uh, there is a smuggling ring that deals in both silver bullion. 
and illegal blood. Just Correct. Like bags of blood. Yep, just, and just big old bags of blood. Separately, Dracula and the Wolfman are working to stop the smuggling of these goods, and they don't realize that the other one is involved. Um, hmm. No, I think they know, they each know that the other one is involved, and I don't think they they even start working on it separately. I think oh. they start working on it together. Okay. They're so, assigned by the Paranormal Police Bureau, the Paranormal Commissioner. Uh, yeah, yeah. He I, says, Lieutenant Dracula, <laughs> Sergeant Wolfman, I want you to work together to crack this thing wide open. Yes. Okay. I, I'm going to give it to you. That is the scenario. Oh, <laughs> so the scenario is that Dracula and the Wolfman are both police detectives. Yes. Being assigned to crack down on a smuggling ring, smuggling silver and blood. Correct. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, my God. So what's the what's the place that they're both in? The police a wa- station. A warehouse? Oh, a police station. Because they have to get the assignment in the police station. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. And obviously they start out as rivals and they hate each other. Right. But then the, the what do you call him? The magical commissioner? Uh, the, the paranormal, paranormal commissioner? police commissioner, yeah. Yeah, but then the paranormal police commissioner is like, you two are the only ones who have the skills to take down this international smuggling ring. You have to work together. <laughs> and Dracula is like, I'm not working with that guy. And the Wolfman is like, I'm not working with that guy. And the paranormal police commissioner is like, yes, you are working with that guy. And they're like, fuck, now we're working with this guy. And then they team up. And they take down the international blood and uh, silver smuggling ring. There are explosions. That's, that's amazing. Coming I soon. Would, I, would, I would watch that. I would watch that. Coming summer 2017. All right, you did it! Yay! Let's go on over to the Scoratorium and see how many questions you got that in. All right. Okay, so I have hung up uh, garlic around the Scoratorium this week, just mm-hmm. as a precaution, because if you mention Dracula... It's very pungent. Uh, he does tend to show up. Yeah. I didn't know if you were aware of that. Oh, I was not. Yeah, look, see that? See over there? No. There was like that that little shadow that went around the corner. Mm-hmm. He's he's watching us. Dracula is always watching. Who is? Dracula. Who is? Dr- Dracula? Whoa! Ah! Hello, it is me. Oh, jeez! I uh. said it too loud, and you see her. Hello. Stay back. Okay. I yeah. have this garlic. It's very, it's very garlicky in here. I just wanted to say, good job. I'm gonna make a Putinesca sauce. Uh, 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 uh. Fine. Oh, he turned into a bat and flew away. Good. We dodged that one. Yeah. Okay, Dave. Okay. Tell me the beef. I'm telling you the beef. All right. This week, you beefed that beef in in just 12 beefs. Oh, yeah. Tell me the beef and all of its knife secrets. Listen, the beef has many knife secrets. <laughs> they, are, they are ancient knife secrets, sure. and they are buried deep within the beef. Sure. And you must commune with the beef so that the beef may tell you the knife secrets. And once you know the knife secrets, then and only then can you can you be the beef. I want to be the beef. I know. You must talk to the beef so you can become the beef with knife secrets and lies and truths. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we come to you here today on this day of knife secrets. Palms outstretched. What do you ask... Should you shower upon our palms? Throw us an alm. Not literally an alm, but, you know. What is... 
is an alm like a like a tiny almond, like a half don't, an almond? I don't think it is. Like an if alm, you cut an almond in half, do you get an alm? I I think okay. So alms comes from the old English elmesse, from uh, it means pity or yeah, like pity money. Wow, that's yeah. that's even more depressing than what I was expecting. Yeah, so it's not you can't give someone an alms. The presence of the s there is kind of a, a false a false friend. It's not it's not plural. It's I was I was kind of hoping it would be derived from like I don't know, like some sort of like leaf or fruit like um what's that what's that giant extinct oxen? An auroch mm-hmm. that gets mentioned in the Bible that they don't exist anymore or like sure. frankincense, right? Yeah. That's a thing that we don't really know what it is, but it gets mentioned. Or is it myrrh? Do we know what myrrh is? I think we know what both myrrh and frankincense are. What's the third one? Gold. Oh, well, that one's easy. We know what that is. Yeah, myrrh is uh, an aromatic resin. Frankincense is another aromatic resin. And then they also gave baby Jesus some gold. That's a lot of aromatic resins. Yeah, it really is. Like, like what kind of what kind of wise man is like? Oh hey hey here's this baby. You know what babies probably like? Really stinky incense. That's well, like a. Here's what I'm imagining. Like you know they're supposed to the three wise men are supposed to have come from three different corners of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So one guy is like, all right, I got to bring a gift to the baby Jesus. I'm I'm going with gold, covered. The other two guys are like, all right. Uh, what's the best thing? Aromatic resin. And then they all meet. And the two guys who brought the aromatic resin are like, oh shit, you also brought aromatic resin? Fuck, that's what I brought. We brought the same thing. Now we look like fucking assholes in front of baby Jesus. This is why if you don't know someone very well, you give them a gift card for Christmas. That's why you give them a gift card for Christmas. That was the wisest wise man of all. Yeah. If you want to be the wisest wise, wise man, man of all, Dale, give us Buy. give us the Christmas gift. Oh um, yeah, right. We were asking for reviews. This yeah. is this is the point of this whole thing. Um, right. We we would like you to review the show. Give us give us your alms, by which we mean stars <laughs> on iTunes. Give that was the whole point stars. of this thing. Yeah, give us your pity stars. <laughs> hey hey, listeners, do you feel bad for us? Rate us on iTunes. <laughs> We love you. Uh, yeah, it's super easy. Go to iTunes. Uh, you can you can leave a written review, and we'll thank you by name on the show. Or you know what? Maybe you're like, listen, typing is hard. I just want to leave a couple of stars and be done with it. So in that case, just rate us five stars, and then go on your merry way, and you'll have helped us and wormed your way into our hearts and boop, minds. Boop, boop. And learned all our knife secrets. That was me. I was a little inchworm. Just doop, 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 doop. worming my way into your heart. You got heartworm now, David. Take a pill. Take a pill. Ugh. I can feel mm. it. I can feel it inside me. That feeling is love. Now, if you want to show us your love, also you can contact us on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash 20questionstuesday. We're at 20questionstuesday.com. You can find us on Twitter at 20questionstues, T-U-E-S. Uh, those are all the ways to contact us. Also, you can just take a megaphone, lean out your apartment window, and just yell our names. If you do that three times and you sprinkle yourself with a little bit of, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, myrrh? Blood will show up. 
And hey, maybe Dracula will be with us. And that's how you play 20 20 Questions Questions Tuesday. Our theme song is, of course, Blood Meridian by Curlew, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. The music you heard under the show this week was by The Good Lords, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. If you'd like us to use your music, message us on Facebook or Tumblr. Up next, stay tuned for Chet Milgrove, homeopathic dentist. I'm David Brunel Brutman. And I'm David Reinstrom. Good night! <laughs>